You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Suicide Squadcast is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. That's right. We are all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big end of small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. So, you know, we got some news this week, man. Kind of excited. Like I know. <laughs> There's actual news to talk about. I know. I know. And we have reviews to read and Patreon stuff to announce. It's like, it's Christmas in April. In April, yes. But let's, before we get started let's oh, we'd always like to remind you that we are members of the suicide squadcast network which includes fans without borders and dc tv squadcast by brent and ray and dc comic squadcast with chris and jordan so for all of your geek cw or comics needs be sure to check out those shows and uh you know as we started last week we're do, doing a little bit of catch up on some reviews we've been getting so like you know since we stopped the contest on itunes that we did for like what about two and a half years <laughs> yeah uh we haven't really been reading reviews and we're like well let's just you know slowly start chipping away at these things and like you know give some love to the reviews that were left for us so this one's actually going all the way back to january this is from chuck taylor one and chuck says i found my people and he says it's really difficult to speak out in public that you enjoy dc movies these days and i am one of those that enjoys the dc films so it was great to find a podcast that is a nice safe haven for dc films fans i really enjoy the tone of the show as it is mostly calm (laughs) these guys have some good insights and a fresh take that I've loved. Highly re- recommend. <laughs> also, to the guys on the podcast, what is your favorite Marvel movie and DC movie? Well, first of all, thank you, Chuck, for the review. Appreciate that. Sorry, uh, uh, you, you just missed the contest, the last giveaway. feel kind of yeah. bad about that. But yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> but, as far as Marvel movie and DC movie, oh, Marvel movie, it's so hard because they're so. it's either somewhere between Winter Soldier or Logan for me, I have to say. And DC movie, oh, Batman v Superman, hands down, no question. <laughs> Moving on. My gosh, I mean, I think I have the same answers. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Winter Soldier and then uh, Batman v Superman for me as well, Ultimate Edition. Oh, there, there is no other. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is. There is, Scott. We don't, we don't know. That, that's the coaster that came in my steel book. I, ah, I, think you, I don't I think see. you understand. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, our next review comes from Ireland. Ah, oh, my people. And this one's from the... Don't, uh, don't from do it. The, don't do I mean, it. Was not, I was not going to do, okay? We, we, it, we've, we're slowly rebuilding our fan base from Ireland. Ireland after the last debacle. So just do not do it. Hey, I am Irish. I'm kind of allowed. <laughs> but uh, this is from The Gink. It's called The Best DC Podcast Out There. This podcast is a must for any DC fan like myself. Usually on the internet and on reviews, the DCEU has received negativity. I'm so happy that this podcast has so much positive things to say about the DCEU. This podcast has a lot of potential and two wonderful hosts. Keep up the great work, guys. All right. Yay! I'm glad it's 151 episodes. We have potential. Yes. I've always wanted to have potential. <laughs> There's definitely potential of something. I'm not going to say what. <laughs> and then uh, the last one we're going to read this week is from Canada, and it's from BSHMP, titled Best DCU Podcast. And here she says, love the show, my new favorite movie podcast. So refreshing to hear positivity towards the DCU and Snyder's contribution to it in particular. An oasis in a desert of negative bias. So glad I found it. Going back and listening to back episodes now. Oh, why do why do these people do that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, we can't. 
ahead. Uh, we're happy to have you go listen to our back episodes. But just as we always say, uh, forgive us for where we were wrong. Hey, it's downloads. It's downloads. <laughs> I just stumbled on episode number 132. Rest assured, not all of Canada gives this podcast a zero stars. I remember that. That's hilarious. I love the callback. I do remember that. Canada, you are forgiven. <laughs> Personally, I give it five stars. Keep up the great work. So now we have like an average of, at least with the last two reviews, of two and a half stars out of Canada. So that's not bad. I'll take it. You'll take it. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, thank you so much for the review. And uh, yeah, keep them coming, guys. Okay. And as always, if you, if you can contribute and if you want to help us keep the lights on, you can go to patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. We do have uh, tiers at $1, $3, $5. Remembering that $5 gets you access to the exclusive RSS feed with additional content and some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, most recently, we dropped early access of the first in what's going to be a long-running set of reviews of all the DC animated original movies, starting with Superman Doomsday, which dropped actually on um, the big guy's 80th birthday. That was yes. kind of appropriate timing. And we haven't recorded, but it hasn't been released yet, but upcoming is our seventh episode of Movie Squadcast, going through all comic book superhero-related movies, and Unbreakable will be the next one to be released. That yep. was a fun discussion. Yeah, that was real good. And uh, I should be dropping that one probably Wednesday or Thursday of this upcoming week. So Unbreakable's about ready to hit. Oh, wow. And I have to say, the you know, you mentioned uh, we did Superman Doomsday. Scott, I think that was probably the best film review we've done yet. Oh, I agree. I was, I, it was one of those that like we finished recording it and I was like, ooh, I liked that. And then I listened to it and I was like, yep, yep I was still right. Liked it. <laughs> still liked it. And even when I was producing it, I'm going like, yep, yep. It was about as good as I thought. So it was, that was a fun one. I'm really looking forward to the next one. We're doing New Frontier. Oh, I got still got to do a reread of that book. Yeah, same here. Oh, right. Well, let's get on to the news. And I think this is probably like the biggest news story of the week, in my opinion. But Kathy Yan, a up-and-coming director, has been in talks to direct uh, what we've been told is the Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. Like, it's that movie suddenly, like, you know, we talked about Christina Hodson, who apparently is being tapped to write the Batgirl script, how she already had finished a Birds of Prey script that I believe Umberto and Gonzalez had said was being received well and was being shopped out to directors. Well, that's some turnaround. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, Kathy Ann is is really she's only got like what one film under her belt, and it was one of it was like a film festival darling called Dead Pigs, which you were saying that you heard has been very much praised for its character work. If I'm correct, yeah, correct. And uh, I I'm not going to go into explaining the film. There was a couple scenes that was kind of explained, and I'm like, okay, that's just fascinating. Without going into detail, because I really don't have any beyond this, but it. Essentially, uh, it was it was set over somewhere in China, and in this film, all these like dead pigs just started floating down this river, and then it ends up like intersecting into like I think like eight different stories or so. But it just sounded really kind of fascinating. Like, okay, that's like a visual that I never thought I would see, <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I'm fascinated. I want to go watch this film. So I'm really intrigued by this hire. Yeah, when we say hire, she's you know she's in talks to direct. She's in talks, yeah. right? You know, you know, the, the ink there there has been no ink. The, the negotiations are happening right but it's still an interesting choice that i i'm still watching I, i'm still kind of watching now that hamada's in charge of dc films i'm like okay he's making some very interesting plays here and i'm i'm gonna be I'm gonna be see how they they turn out um now you would express some interest in or some concerns or maybe some reservations just about how they're tapping a lot of would you say untested directors and that had some concerns for you oh it's not necessarily concerns i i just find it very interesting. I mean, 
you, you know, I think one of the most important things when you select a filmmaker is to get somebody that knows how to tell a story and somebody that can, you know, I think if you could tell a good story, you've got so many other technical people that you could put around, you know, he or she to really kind of fill out kind of like what we're used to seeing when it comes to superhero films. So like without really knowing much about Kathy Yan here, I mean, so apparently she told a really, really good story with this film and she just got all this acclaim. So that's what you want to see. Like I want, I want a good story. Like I want something that goes well beyond just a typical superhero fair movie. And so like if we kind of start with the basis of having a really good story and you said concern, it's not really a concern. It was just like, it's something like, okay, you're going to have to help and put some people around some of these directors, I believe, because, you know, they're, they're, you know, certainly Kathy Yan has not done a big budget film that in of itself, trying to manage like a big production is, is going to take, you know, some learning to do. And then at the same time, I'm sure she probably hasn't done like a lot when it comes to visual effects and, and maybe fight choreography. So these are all things that, you know, but these are also things that second unit directors usually handle anyway. So it, it kind of goes back to our discussion about Ava DuVernay and, you know, you're, you're sort of like, you love Selma, you weren't so hot on A Wrinkle in Time, right. and then just looking at the possibility of new guys in the future. I mean, I feel like we're kind of starting to have the same conversation, but, you know, but it's also directors that we're not sure of. I mean, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this Hollywood Reporter article that talks about the fact that Dead Pigs was a dark comedy, and apparently the award it won was the Special Jury Award, uh, the World Cinema Dramatic Special Jury Award for Ensemble Acting, which that gives me a little, like, you know, gives me a little bit of an eye raise because it's like, oh, ensemble. Well, if you're doing this sort of team movie, what is something you need a lot of experience with, which is working with a lot of people trying to share the limelight in a movie? Yeah. Uh, she's been working on shorts, apparently, and was a Wall Street Journal reporter based out of New York, Hong Kong, and Beijing. So that's very interesting. She was Chinese born and raised in Hong Kong and Washington. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a very eclectic background there. Yeah. And, and if she actually does get hired here, she will actually be the first Asian woman to direct a big budget superhero film. Well, apparently, according to the Hollywood Reporter, though, uh, Warner Brothers isn't verifying that the movie is Birds of Prey. Like, that's the headline. But Warner Brothers hasn't quite. They've just said it's the untitled Harley Quinn girl gang movie. But other sources are saying, like Variety and Justin Kroll is saying, yes, it's the Birds of Prey script. Like the studio was weighing different Harley Quinn options, you know, in, that included Suicide Squad 2, and apparently they're going with Birds of Prey. Uh, however, this film is being produced through Lucky Chap Entertainment, which is Margot Robbie's uh, production company, and also Sue Kroll. Yeah, there's a name we remember hearing. Yeah, we remember we had talked about her uh, moving on from Warner Brothers, a longtime executive of Warner Brothers, to her own production company. Well, it sounds like it's going to be this is going to be one of the first films. Well, which is kind of sounding like the like the the pieces were being moved on the board. Yeah. So, um, variety. Going back to Variety and Justin Kroll, he's reporting that production is expected to start at the end of this year after Margot Robbie finishes shooting Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is going to be uh, that's his Manson movie. Uh, apparently, Margot Robbie's playing Sharon Tate. <laughs> that's that's going to be awesome. I I'm, I really want to see that film. I'm I'm I, that might be one I need to that might not be what I'm going to see in theaters. Probably, yeah, <laughs> Tarantino, The Mansons. Mm, that's that's that is a recipe for Scott not Scott not Scott eating up on the floor. Oh, so you know, so so kind of coming out of all this news here, you know, we had been hearing for a while that uh, it looked like Suicide Squad two was about ready to start production and to try to uh, possibly get be 
begin filming yet this year. Now that was, you know, the Suicide Squad 2 has a, a lot of various issues here. It's it's trying to get the thing uh, to get all the same cast together at the same time. You, you basically have to kind of work around Will Smith's window. And the problem with this now is like, it seems like this film is at least more ready to go. Like apparently they were so impressed with uh, Christina Hodson's uh, script that, you know, they're, they're kind of like fast tracking this thing. And I think it really kind of comes back to like, what is the overarching story that they're trying to tell with this film anyway? And it seems like maybe having like a Birds of Prey type of film where it was kind of rumored that, you know, that Harley Quinn's going to be involved in this film if this is what it ends up being, that maybe this is the kind of like the natural next film to go to after Suicide Squad. And so it seems like this one is kind of bumping up in front. Right. And I also, I'm trying to think who was saying this, but someone else, and forgive me for not being able to cite it, but someone else was saying that, uh, oh, it was it was Justin Kroll again, is suggesting that the reason Birds of Prey is kind of m- maybe more pressing concern is that it can launch a lot more solo movies out of it. Like, it's a good, it's a good seeding ground for solo movies than Suicide Squad 2. Like, yeah. his, in his estimation, Suicide Squad 2 is just going to launch another Suicide Squad movie. But, you know, based on something to hear about the script, that they almost all have at least some combination of Harley Quinn, Barbara Gordon, and Black Canary, that, you know, and once again, this is all sources and rumors and stuff, that that can lead to, other, like, that can produce more films. Yeah. Well, and especially if they have Christina Hodson, the screenwriter, if she's moving on from this film, and they immediately hired her to go work on a Batgirl film, this kind of makes sense. Like, okay, let's get, you know, let's get this film out there. It's kind of like a, a launching point for some of these other films. I, then I could see Suicide Squad 2 following this film, and then at some point shortly after that, you may have, like, the Batgirl film starting to go into production. Right, and and that allows Batgirl to be introduced in this film and generate interest in her in that film with Harley Quinn, who's already kind of, a, you know, a marketable character, use her to draw people in, introduce Batgirl, and then give Batgirl her own movie. I mean, it's it's smart business. Yeah. Well, so here's my theory. This is what I, I'm, I'm just going to say, this is what I think might be happening here, because we've heard lots of things about uh, how are they going to be building up kind of like the Harley Quinn character. You know, obviously we had Suicide Squad, there's Suicide Squad 2. We've heard about Birds of Prey. We've heard about a Harley Quinn kind of solo film. We've heard about Harley and Joker as a film. We've heard about Gotham City Sirens. So there's like all these different properties that kind of intersect each other. And so it's it's always kind of unclear to us exactly, you know, w- you know which way is this heading? Are these just lots of ideas that are kind of loosely in development? Or are these all things that may kind of may tie together? And so I think what's, this is my guess, I think we're going to see like a Birds of Prey type of film where we get the more heroic style of heroes. So we'll, we'll get the Batgirl, we'll get the Black Canary, and then, you know, and then maybe like, uh, you know, Harley Quinn just kind of like hooks up with those and that becomes like your Birds of Prey. You know, maybe we'll see a Huntress, something like that. And then you get your, a follow-up with that would be like a Gotham City Sirens. And so that's where you see like a Poison Ivy, a Catwoman, uh, you know, maybe some other, the kind of like anti-hero type characters. And then maybe like Harley Quinn kind of is involved with that team as well. And then this could maybe like actually then lead into, you know, either Suicide Squad 2 or maybe the Harley Joker film that we've like heard about. And then I think this also gives you an opportunity to maybe bring in like Lady Blackhawk, which could eventually tie into some news that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are possibilities. I, I don't, the only, the only part of that that just makes me kind of go, eh, is the Lady Blackhawk. Cause I think that's like, whoa, that's a deep pull, but you know, Lady Blackhawk. I mean, she was, she was a, um, she was a primary team member of the latest incarnation of Birds of Prey. Right. A series 
that almost no one read. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. I'm, but it, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying, okay, like that's the only part of your theory that I feel like stretches reality a little okay. much. Okay, why? Well, it's you know we talk about connective tissue and like being part of the same universe, but not being like a slave to it. You know, this would be something that could either uh, reference in the past or reference in the future, like a you know the Black Hawk film. So we'll see. And we'll see. We'll we'll have to tell about that news here in a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now apparently all this talk has suggested that the Suicide Squad 2 production that we thought might be happening sooner rather than later, this news if it pans out, because once again, how many times do we hear about DC movies being announced or in development or, you know, it happens a lot you know, and so the idea is that with Kathy Yan and talks, that makes Birds of Prey kind of the next one after the three that we know are coming up next, and then Suicide Squad 2 gets bumped like you said, waiting for Will Smith to become available, you know, one may even suggest that, you know, give Gavin O'Connor the time to finish his script, because once again, the last thing we want is another rush to put out a Suicide Squad movie. Let, let, let's, 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 let's give them time. And once again, I feel like the same thing's happening with, like, the Matt Reeves Batman movie. It's like, I'm not in a rush to any of these movies. It's like, make sure they're right. You know, I don't need you to be churning them out. I already know about three movies coming out through the end of 2019. Good. It means I don't have to worry about anything until 2020. Right. Yeah. And so that was the kind of thing you'd mentioned some of the reasons where uh, it looks like Suicide Squad 2 is going to be bumped a little bit. I mean, there's there's a number of reasons. Will Smith is actually um, he's just recently finished up Aladdin uh, with Disney. And he, I think he's moving on to Ang Lee's like Gemini Man. And so he's going to be filming that. He's got Bad Boys 3. Right. I mean, just in August uh, or a little bit later this year. So he's he's pretty packed. So like that's the tough part is trying to work around his schedule. I mean, and I think they really want to make sure they have Deadshot in Suicide Squad 2. You, you know, you want to have Will Smith in it. You want to have Will Smith, he was one of the best. I mean, he and Harley Quinn. I mean, Marco Robbie and Will Smith were the standouts of Suicide Squad. What I mean, we, no one's no one's kidding themselves about that. And then you know, and his his schedule is like Dwayne Johnson's schedule. It's like <laughs> they're just constantly working. Well, but it's not just that. You're trying to balance out Will Smith's schedule with uh, Marco Robbie's schedule, and that's what makes these ensemble films with these big name stars uh, really difficult because like like these people are busy, <laughs> and they're never busy at the same time yeah or you have to really kind of like in order to kind of reserve the time is you have to like set a date you know far enough advance that you can get these two to like commit to it and then they just work in the other films around that so that's that's my guess i think that's what they're having to do with suicide squad too because i just think the original window that they thought they had with will smith is is probably just not the right window that they need right now exactly well, especially with the fact that gavin o'connor from all from all here the script isn't done yet well if the script's not done then well we can't get actors to commit to times yet so now then and then this news just flew out of nowhere but and this came from dc comics you know like their website it was like for once i didn't read it for the first time on like a, a trade i actually heard it from the horse's mouth but apparently steven spielberg is ready to dive into the dc universe with a blackhawks movie that will be uh produced by amblin entertainment and warner brothers pictures so you're you're telling me like a uh, 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 without a doubt a list director might direct a dc film that's what dccomics.com is telling me <laughs> i don't know is this a clickbait site what, what is this what is the site you're talking about i do you know <laughs> and then and, and then like f oh, here we go from from the word from the mouth of toby emmerich of warner brothers pictures group chair he says quote we are so proud to be the studio behind steven spielberg's latest hit of course referring to ready player one and are thrilled to be working with him again on this new action adventure we 
can't wait to see what new ground he will break in introducing Blackhawk to movie audiences worldwide. Hmm. Now we talked about the possibility of a Blackhawk film. Oh yeah, well back in back in our Wonder like back in our pre Wonder Woman build up. Yeah. In fact, I, I think I even like talked about how this would be just a great property because it's like it's could be like a self contained story and I'd have to go back and listen to the episode. It's like episode one or two or one oh two or something like that, one oh four. But it was like I, I kind of felt like at the time when you and I were discussing it, we were like, okay, with the, you know, you can bring in a director that can tell a self-contained story and you can keep it as like a World War II type of film. And so like there's just a lot of possibility with it. And like this apparently has got Steven Spielberg interested. Well, and and he's got a frequent Spielberg writer writing it, David Cup. Cup. I mean, the guy wrote Jurassic Park, Lost World, War of the Worlds. I don't think I want to mention Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but you know, <laughs> you know cute. You know, you, they can't all be winners. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Spielberg is producing it with an eye to uh, direct it. And look who else is executive producing? Sue Kroll. Yeah. There's her name popping up again. This she is. This is once again. There are there are wheels within wheels going on right here. Uh, but um, Spielberg was quoted as saying, "It was wonderful working with the team at Warner Brothers to bring Ready Player One to the screen. They bring a blend of passion and professionalism to everything they do, and have a tremendous history in the." genre. I am excited to reunite with them on Blackhawk. It just sounds like Warner Brothers and Spielberg had a great time making Ready Player One, and they're ready to keep on making movies. That's exactly what this sounds like. And I've uh, and I've talked about my you know love, and it's and I haven't read it in a long time, but like when I was a kid, I loved Blackhawk. I loved talk, you know the Blackhawk Squadron, and I I really enjoyed that series. And it's such an interesting premise. I mean, it's basically it's a it's 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 an independent group of people from various different countries that had banded together to fight the Axis powers. In World War II, and you know, so you had every person in the squadron was from a different country, and they just had fun, unique personalities. Uh, but the the thing that I love the most is like it was fantastical in some aspects. Like, um, of course, they were fighting Hitler, but they were they created these very comic book type Hitler weapons, and like there was some that were like uh, there was like these planes that could go underwater and fly up in the air. They're like shark planes, and that was like kind of a classic. And but my favorite is the War Wheel. This is a classic. Oh, the War Wheel. Yes. Which was actually actually created by Bill Finger, creator of Batman. Yes. And I think it was also featured in an episode of uh, the Justice League animated series. It was. Because they did did like a two or three parter with Vandal Savage as the bad guy. Yes. And they go back to World War II and the Blackhawks were in there. I mean, there's nothing more, there's almost nothing more Spielberg. I mean, the only thing more Spielberg than an 80s movie is Spielberg doing a World War II era movie. Yeah. And once again, it you get a chance to get Spielberg working on a DC property that does not have to turn into like a franchise. Like right. this can be a one, something that probably appeals to Spielberg because this can be a one and done film. Yeah. But give me some World War II era like dogfighting and just give me popcorn. I will, I will be there. Give me some P-51 Mustangs and, <laughs> you know, and I'm like good to go. I just want, you know, I, I want the fun characters from the comics with all these like fun personalities. And we talked about this 
this with Wonder Woman, like the the little crew that she had, the Odd Fellows. Is that what they're called, the Odd Fellows? That's the they're, they're called the Odd Fellows. Yes, sir. I, how did I not know that? I know things. Yes, you do. Uh, so like that group right there was such a fun group, and it really made me think of the Blackhawks. And then when Sud Tagmui had you know teased uh, actually playing like a, a Pierre from Blackhawks, I was like, oh my god, I can totally see it. Like, and I and that's where I started thinking. Like, I think this is going to lead into a Blackhawk film at the time. Yeah, that's exactly how this whole that tweet is what got that whole conversation started. That's what yeah, that's what got it started. I'm like, okay, I, this is not just a coincidence. Like, I think there really is something there. I think there's plans amongst you know DC films. Like, hey, this is a property we can do something with. And so they were kind of planting those seeds. And and uh, so I'm I'm just super excited. Like, you could have you could have the really fun camaraderie of, of uh, an interesting group of characters all thrown together for a common cause, and then you could throw in some like these just very fantastical type of like uh, weapons created by you know Nazi Nazi Germany at the time and you know like from the comics and like I said if we can if I can see a, a, a live action war wheel on the big screen I'll be done I'm, I'll be happy for the rest <laughs> of my life well, and it kind of allows them to play off of an element of the Wonder Woman movie that was so successful, which was that sort of, you know, the Othels, the little band of misfits. You know, yes. like that's a that's a great thing. Now, before everyone starts buying their tickets and, like, heating up the popcorn, this is not coming anytime soon. I mean, Spielberg is already committed in production right now for Indiana Jones 5. He's doing a remake of West Side Story. So this is, this is not, like, the next movie he's making. Yeah, and... And so those two projects have to be completed. I mean, he's as far as I know. I mean, I I, th- I think we're still in pre-production for like you know Indiana Jones. So yeah, I mean he has to shoot that before something happens to Harrison Ford. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes, he really does. Yes. So because he's he still flies planes and he crashes planes. So so Harrison Ford. Yeah. I mean, so he's got to get that film done. And then I mean, and then this West Side Story, which I, I would imagine maybe not be a super long like filming commitment. But then after that, it's 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 It'd probably be like the third film after those other two, so it's going to be a little while. But that, I, but just the idea of this thing is like, oh, I'm I was completely sold. I'm really <laughs> excited that they're starting to attract some of these really big name directors because this is what Warner Brothers always kind of like sold themselves as is like you know a filmmaker driven studio, and it's like okay, this is what this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to be. I, I want to take I want to take one of these visionary directors and give them a chance to just take a little piece a corner of this universe and make. This something special. Yeah. And it goes back to the fact of what I was saying is I don't need every DC movie to be tearing, uh, be part of this giant grand narrative. Uh, you know, this is, no, just give me the universe and then just tell stories in the universe. So if members of the Oddfellows don't show up in Blackhawks, like that'd be a missed opportunity because it's like a little connective tissue, but it, it's not like it has to be part of one overarching story. Yeah. So we're excited about this. Uh, we're just going to, you know, we probably won't see much news in this for a while, but uh, but definitely, uh, this is just this gives you an idea of like what they're trying to do. And, and Scott and I have talked about this many times. It's like DC Films has got a lot of stuff brewing. That doesn't mean everything's going to be greenlit. But they're waiting to see like you know what's hitting on all cylinders, and then and find a place for it and slot it in and, and get it into production. And that's kind of like basically what happened with that Birds of Prey film that we think it's going to be called uh, that we just talked about a little bit ago. So so this is exciting. So speaking of something else, like we got yet another film that we 
we found out was going to be in early development here, and they've actually got a pretty big name attached to it. Writer-director John Ridley is going to be making an American Way film. Now, this is not a DC proper film, and it's it's uh, it's not something that's going to be attached to any kind of shared universe like the DCEU. But this was a series that, i got to be honest, I actually collected back in, it was like 2006, 2007 in there, somewhere in there. It, it was with uh, the Wildstorm signature line, and uh, it was like, I think like a six-issue series at the time. And John Ridley actually wrote it with art by like, I think it's Jorge's Gente. And uh, it was it was kind of an interesting premise. And uh, basically, there was a, a group of s- superheroes back in the 60s called the Civil Defense Corps. And they each had, you know, own special powers. Uh, but it had a very specific kind of like ethnic makeup that was designed to try to appeal to various segments of the American population and just make sure that everyone is kind of represented. So that's kind of like the overall premise. Now, I don't know a whole lot about the the storyline and where it led, but there was a follow-up series which just came out with Vertigo. Yeah, like last, like in the winter or fall or something. Yeah. It, it was called uh, Those Above and Those Below. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know a whole lot about what the intention might be, what they're going to try to pull from the story, but like this is actually kind of exciting news because we've been hearing for a while that John Ridley was in discussions uh, about some potential project with Warner Brothers to do some kind of DC-related property. And it looks like that's what this is going to be. So this is going to be a little interesting one because uh, when we talk about like keeping the genre fresh, like this would be this would be like another way to do it. But at the same time, like I look at this and I kind of think like I think very in a lot of ways you kind of look at this like a Watchmen type of film. Like the Watchmen characters were not mainstream by any means. Like it wasn't a Batman or a Superman character. So these were like all new characters that had to be introduced to an audience. Well, that's very much what this is going to be as well. So this is going to be an interesting kind of take to see how they how they kind of sell this to the masses. Yeah, and apparently the film was going to be set in the early 70s, uh, about 10 years after the events of the original series. Yes. So, um, so I'm, I'm not going to go into any more details because I, until I can go back and, and finally read that series and uh, see if I can get a better idea of where John might be taking this thing. Like, uh, we'll just at least report the news now and then just kind of see where this thing goes. Now, we we had a lot of people get very excited about this uh, Joe Meganello interview with Chris Hardwick on his um, Idiot podcast. And uh, you actually went and listened to the audio. Yeah. So you want to give us, I mean, we, we've got a lot of quotes here, but you kind of want to give sort of like the big picture, like what was in that interview and what made people all excited? Oh, I mean, he's just a, uh, Joe Meganello's, it's, it's such a common guy. Like, I never really realized just how much of a geek he was until I really listened to this episode. And he's been on Chris Hardwick's epi- uh, podcast uh, three, like two different times prior to this. And this was like his third appearance. And uh, my God, they just spent the whole time just geeking out about things. Like he was talking about Magnum PI, about how he can like, you know, he would be interested in like playing that role on the big screen. Uh, what was Magnum PI's first name? John? John Magnum? Whatever it was. So he was like interested in kind of like playing that role and they were, they kind of went back and forth on that. But then they talked a ton about like how Manganello, Manganello was actually, a, he's a really big, huge D&D fan. Dungeons and Dragons. Like the original role playing type of games <laughs> where you got the 20 set of die and all that. So he's like still plays it pretty actively. <laughs> and so they were just geeking out about that for quite a while. So what was really kind of interesting is they did start to kind of talk a little bit about Deathstroke and he wouldn't go into much. And uh, He actually kind of like talked about like he reached out to Warner Brothers and said, what can I actually say about Deathstroke? And they gave him this response that says, just say these things. And I don't remember exactly what the words were, but it was just it was like very generic vanilla uh, type of response. <laughs> and they said, this is what you should tell people. So he just actually kind of read it off, just kind of like actually making fun of 
the whole thing. But he did go back and he says, you know, when he first uh, started talking about Deathstroke, he said there was talk of an origin movie and he reminded that he's not giving away news because that was actually in the news because there were reports about DC actually working with Gareth Evans and he said he sent, spent six months prior to all these different phone calls going back and forth with Gareth Evans to try to write out like a backstory. And then all he said, all that discussion going back and forth was actually turned into 16 pages, which actually turned into a treatment that he had basically kind of pitched with Gareth. And so basically he's just kind of like saying that, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on here, a lot of stuff that they're talking about, but that he can't say anything about it right now. So <laughs> All that to say he can't say anything. Yeah, but it, it is interesting. Like he's just re- like he's really kind of engaged with this whole idea of the backstory of Deathstroke. Like he's really trying to figure out, OK, he's a villain, but like where does he come from? Like what's, you know, what really gets him to the point he's at is basically what I got from this. <laughs> it's called read the Judas contract. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just 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 saying. There you go. Yep. Oh, man. OK, well, moving on to a little bit of Aquaman news. I just. James Wan just continues to deliver and make me happy. Yeah. So we talked, I think it was last week, about the fact that Randall Park had joined as Dr. Stephen Shin. And I think even we reported it in a way that we were like, oh, they're adding a new character. And and, and even we were kind of mistaken in the way that we presented that information. But uh, Grace Randolph, the YouTuber, apparently sent out a tweet that was like, so wow, last week Aquaman managed to announce pickups, in quotation marks, and adding uh, Park Randall. Uh, you know, Randall Park as a brand new character without anyone noticing. <laughs> and then James Wan goes and quotes that tweet and says, Hi, Grace. Love your stuff, so I'll speak up. I didn't add a new character now. Dr. Shin was in the script since day one. I had cast Randall a year ago in Australia. I'm a big fan of his. Love Fresh Off the Boat. But I didn't shoot his stuff till now. Hence, it's literally, quote, pickups with him. Cheers. <laughs> oh, and of course, like the fans just started kind of like saying, oh, you know, you're getting all the the." Great great Jeff files where it just shows people like, you know, essentially dropping the mic kind of thing. <laughs> Drop the mic or the ooh, burn, burn you know, you know that, that kind of thing. thing. Yeah. So Fresh Off the Boat is a ABC sitcom that Park is on, but Park has also been involved in uh, the MCU follow-up to Infinity War of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So he's been a little busy. So, and, and I like this idea that, you know, when we think additional photography, most people automatically go to the idea of reshoots. Well, no, sometimes additional photography literally just means means additional. It doesn't mean you went back and reshot something. It just meant that, hey, we need to grab some more stuff. So I was very happy to hear that, that it wasn't a character that was being, quote, added. It was just, oh, great. Now you're available. We can shoot your scenes now. Yeah. And uh, so James Wan, you know, saw people were just kind of piling on to Grace Randolph. And so he came in and, you know, did the very political thing. And he says, guys, no, 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 not shutting anyone down. Just clarifying. Uh, he's love and respect Grace Randolph. Be nice, y'all. <laughs> but you could just tell like he was just like you know he's like okay I have to respond to this nonsense and I'm going to be super polite about it which is James Wan is always super polite yeah but so yeah I loved it I, I just loved I love it when these directors come in and just kind of shut this stuff down it, it it really does it shuts it down and it's super effective and you know James Wan also kind of came back a little bit later and said look I've directed nine feature films over the course of my career and only one of those that film was Death Sentence didn't have any additional 
photography or reshoots. And then just goes off the list all the different, you know, films that I have not seen. Yeah. <laughs> that he said, you know, Saw, he dumped a bucket of blood. Conjuring 2, he added the demon nun. Furious 7, he had Dwayne Johnson driving an ambulance. He's like, I saw the fact that he's like, and look at the various things that happen in additional photography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, you know, uh, filmmakers, you know, we said this before, you have a vision for what you think the film is. You think you have a complete story. Then you actually film it. And then you actually look at look at it, put all together. And then that's where it kind of clicks with you. Like, oh, I'm missing this or I'm missing that. So uh, additional photography is very, very common. Nothing to get freaked out about. And again, we understand. We understand the nervous fans out there. The freak out. Yes. We, we get it. We get it. We get it. We, we, we lived it. It's called Justice League. Justice League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, we had talked about the uh, the photo that James Wan had actually tweeted out last week, and it showed a picture of him with uh, Randall Park. And uh, so and I think this actually was uh, Ken Pajero, who is at Powerlessness on Twitter. Oh, he's a great, great guy out there. Yes. Shout out. I don't know if he's the first one. I think he is, but he may not be. But um, zoomed in, there was apparently a little piece of paper that Randall Park was holding in this image, in this, in this photograph. And if you actually zoom way in and just rotate it 90 degrees, you could actually see written three words and it looks to me like it actually says existence of Superman. That's exactly what it looks like to me. Yeah. So it which fits right into the whole idea of you know Dr. Shin. Yes. Yes. You know the whole thing and it's it's interesting to me because it's it's very kind of similar to like Luther. Yes. Exactly. This is a strong interest in the metahumans. So. And then over on Instagram Amber Heard posted a picture of her back in her mirror costume with the comment aquified yet again. So one you know kind of going on the whole fact of everyone jumping in going yep we're sh- we're doing some more shooting yep and so and then uh then we get to shazam and zachary Levi, you know posting even more shirtless pics <laughs> and i just it's just you know it's amazing what the, the the crap people will say on the internet like it you think i'd be used to it by now no it still surprises me and uh zachary Levi wrote and i think this is funny it's like the old saying goes hard work over time plus chicken and broccoli minus carbs divided by whey protein in which X represents the amount of supplements and Y represents the sentiment of why the hell am I doing this to myself? Multiplied by shameless selfies while staring into nowhere. (laughs) Carry three. Carry three. One equals results. And I love it. I love it. Of course, there's another picture of him shirtless looking rather fit, I might say. Uh, Henry still beats him, though. Well, he's not jacked. He's not. See, I said fit. I didn't say jacked. No. Henry was jacked. Yeah, definitely fit, though. Henry Cavill noticed and responded, and he says, looking fantastic, sir. Bloody nice work, and your nowhere stare is on point. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> to which Zachary replied, honestly, the nowhere stare has been the biggest challenge, but two to three hours a day of nowhere stare practice has really paid off. <laughs> uh, those guys are having fun. Oh, and the two of them, I just can't help but speculate that Superman's in the Shazam movie. I just can't help it. Yeah, it's. it feels like Superman has to be, but I saw somebody speculate what if it's just Clark Kent I'll take it I'll take it I'll, I'll take it if Henry Cavill's just in the movie I mean once again I'll go back to the Return of Black Adam animated short that's how he gets introduced into that film is Clark Kent interviewing Billy Batson yeah yeah so I don't care just put Henry Cavill in another movie especially if he believes in truth but also justice stop no 
Shut <laughs> your mouth. Sorry, I could not resist. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, well, uh, apparently, um, I think there's some kind of set visits going on uh, because, like, Paul Sheary has uh, posted a picture of himself and he says, hello from Toronto, hashtag Shazam, and at the Shazam movie. And he's got this cool little Shazam hat. With the official logo and everything. The official logo and the, DC, the new DC logo. So, you know, we'd, we've seen this, like, several times. Uh, uh, you know, a certain select group of reporters will be able to get on set and, and do set visits. And, and uh, you know, they usually have, like, a, a story that's embargoed for quite some time. Because I think, you know, weren't even, like, the Justice League set visits embargoed for, like, a year? Ah, uh, that that I can't tell. Or you. maybe it was Batman v Superman. Like, one of the two one of the two Snyder films was embargoed for, like, a year, which is just amazing to me. But it's it's really kind of cool. So there's probably some stuff being written up right now that we'll see at some point in time here. Okay. And then on NBC Today with Megan Kelly, Linda Carter uh, dropped the information that she is uh, still talking. I don't know if it's news because we've heard about this, but she is still talking to Patty Jenkins about possibly being in the Wonder Woman 2 movie. And she said that Patty has given some hints about it. And I guess it's to Warner Brothers if they want to spend the money. Playing hardball. Hey! Linda Carter is not messing around. She's like knows. Like, you know, if you want it, well, not just that, but like Warner Brothers has been spending some money, you know, when it comes to uh, Wonder Woman. You know, Patty Jenkins got a great deal you know a, a, a well-deserved deal like she she got like i mean she's the highest paid female director right now yeah absolutely yeah so so uh you know i'm sure linda carter's looking at it and go mm, you probably got a little bit more money where that came from <laughs> you want to get me in this film i it seems like it's gonna happen it seems like it just has to happen oh and then hoeing on to ba- matt reeves who was apparently taking some questions on twitter and of course people ask him about batman uh first question was change your schedule and work in the right night instead of just like the bat kidding and he goes well sometimes i do that too becoming quite a nocturnal animal this this one I was interested in. They asked him what was his favorite Batman comic, and he said, There are many. I love Year One, The Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Ego, many others. Neil Adams is awesome. I love the original Kane and Finger. I could go on. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, The only one of those that I raised an eyebrow to is Dark Victory. But other than that, I'm like, Year One, check. Long Halloween, check. Ego, Darwin Cook, check. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Long Halloween was a very intriguing one. And because he, he, he did kind of tweet later on, he says, In a response to, a fan the fan said the long halloween and just gave like uh like this uh, oh my god oh my god type of face yeah and so matt reeves decided to respond to that when he said fun fact jeff loeb was one of my screenwriting teachers at usc (gasps) so that's kind of interesting that's "Hmm." interesting the long Halloween things that make you go hmm does it ah. now it's been a long time since I've read that story do you remember overall like what the kind of main beats of the arc are oh absolutely yeah give us a rundown well the idea is that there's a holiday kill I mean it's called holiday who's who kills uh, different people, usually criminal people, on holidays. And every issue was a 13-issue series that started on Halloween and then ended the, you know, the following Halloween. And it's, you know, basically everyone, all the rogues show up in one way or the other. The the Falcons are involved. I mean, it, I call it like an Agatha Christie murder mystery with Batman. And it's set, like, right after year one. So it's, it's early Batman 
Batman days. And you go back and read Long Halloween, and then you go back and watch, like, you watch Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, and you're just like, hmm, rip page, put on storyboard. I mean, there are scenes from that book that are like, yep, this is where we got some Dark Knight. You know, where Batman Begins was like year one. Dark Knight has got lots of Long Halloween in it. Yeah. Yeah. So th- I kind of feel like this is something that could kind of pull off in a singular film. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it has to be a long, drawn out story because, I mean, you could just easily see this thing playing out over a year. I mean, I think you could easily do that. So it's it's kind of interesting. I like, you know, I'm, I'll be real interested to see if we see any other like hints towards this because, I mean, he gave a couple here. I know. Because he even mentioned Dark Victory, which was the follow up to Long Halloween, which most people will say wasn't the wasn't the strongest of their work. But, you know, whatever. I love Long Halloween. It's it, when people ask me, where's some Batman comics you, you recommend? That that's like top three, top five. It's, it's yeah. just it's there. I need to go through my uh, I, I kind of need to go through that era again and read some of these things that I've only read like once. Oh, so that's one. Yeah. And I forgot about Ego. Ego was so good. I, would, I, I, you know, I actually haven't read Ego, but then they just released a new like a few months ago. They released a new deluxe edition right after uh, Darwin Cook passed away that uh, collected some additional. So basically like all of Darwin Cook's like solo Batman stuff they put into one deluxe edition hardcover. So I've been waiting to like crack that puppy open. You know, these filmmakers, can you imagine like a Matt Reeves? Like, and, and I don't know how deep in like comic books he was or like the, the, the Batman stories over the years, but can you imagine him knowing that he's, you know, is going to be directing the type of Batman film and just getting all these different graphic novels and just pouring into him? I'm sorry, he's got some deep pulls on that list. Like he, he's not doing like the standard, like you start mentioning Dark Victory and Ego, it's like... You're, yeah, but you know, you're, you know how DC always sends like these giant care packages, you know? So. Yeah, but the fact is he read them and knows the names. Well, like, that's what, you know, what I'm saying. Like, the fact is he's probably gone through and poured through these things and he's like, oh, can you imagine his wheels turning when he reads some of these stories? He's like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. You know, a filmmaker's gonna be sitting there trying to visualize, okay, oh, I could do this and I can have this thing play out like that and like, he's, he's probably like a kid in a candy store reading all these great stories over the years. I'm a kid in a candy store. I know. You know. <laughs> that you are. All right, well, so let's just, let's see what comes out of that like man he's he's deep into stuff right now he's 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 interacting with fans which is good and like he's you know just trying to give a little bit of a little bit of an update here so hopefully we get something soon I and mean, we got what comic-con just right around the corner yeah we're hoping to have a big comic-con this year i'm just I'm, I'm, it, this is a comic-con that i don't know what to expect from it like i don't know where this like a lot of comic-cons come and go and you're like oh yeah i saw that coming this comic-con it's like no they need to go in they need to go in strong they they, they need they need to the last taste in their mouth was Justice League, which was had a frustrated a large portion of the fan base. Yes, and it was very divisive in in a, in a way that the previous films, I mean, the films have been divisive, but this was divisive on a whole different level. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, in one of these films, we may hear something about Man of Steel 2. So, Christopher McQuarrie, of course, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, and this was the film that actually uh, required Henry Cavill to keep his mustache and beard for the additional photography for Justice League. I'm sorry, you mean you mean King Stash? Don't it's King, just, yeah, the, King Stash. Let's, let's get let's, let's get the ride. Um, I'm so looking forward to that film, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that one looks great. Well, anyway, there, it's it, he just had like a little Q and A on Twitter 
because they were 100 days away from this film actually premiering. And so someone had come actually come up and said, hey, you know, would you consider directing the next Superman film? And Christopher McQuarrie said, they know where to find me. So um, apparently would be open to doing a Man of Steel sequel type film. Well, he's already worked with Henry Cavill. I'm sure they've got a nice little of, relationship there. Of course, there. of course. So my hope is that whatever Superman story he actually tells is, is going to be one where Superman's actually got a beard. But Henry Cavill's off filming something else and is clean shaven and they make him put the beard on with CGI. That would be payback. That's not funny, Tim. That's not f- that's not funny at all. <laughs> no, it's not at all. You no, it's not at all. You should blow me up for that. Oh, I will be. <laughs> I will be. I will be. But this would be this would be cool. Like um I could I could see a lot of fun stuff, man. God, I'm sorry. The guy the guy wrote the usual suspects. Yes. That just that's like sold. Sold. Kobayashi. Yes. If he's not in the film, I'm gonna be pissed off. <laughs> you mean Kaiser Soze? Kobayashi. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So I kind of wanted. I know that this caught a lot of people's ire and attention this week, but uh, of course, with with this week being the 80th anniversary of Superman, with Wednesday being his you know his 80th birthday, there was a tweet sent out uh, like the t- Monday or Tuesday. It was on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, handle, official handle. That got a lot of us DCEU fans kind of riled up. And the tweet just read, The last son of Krypton probably should stick to a moral code and maybe not break necks. Hashtag Superman. And then there was also a link included to a blog post from the Sci-Fi Wire. Of course, this infuriated and ticked off tons of fans of Krypton who were also fans of Man of Steel and, you know, the, the Snyder version of Superman, considering that David Goyer who wrote Man of Steel, you know, helped co-create, you know, Krypton. And I just found this particular thread interesting because it included one of our listeners. And uh, this comes from Drew. He's at Falcon 1282. He was responding to uh, Cameron Cuff, who is the star who plays Segel, uh, Superman's grandfather. And he said, I hate that I feel this way, but I'm seriously considering dropping Krypton. What happened to taking inspirations from all Superman iterations and celebrating the mythos? As a fan of the show and a huge fan of Man of Steel, this is disheartening. Now, the fun thing is, is that this is when cast and crew members of Krypton decided to start responding. And it's their responses that are interesting to me. Um, Corey Trench, who's an assistant editor on Krypton, replied to Drew and said, the show definitely pays tribute to Man of Steel. I mean, David Goyer helped create it. It's a- There's actually a big Man of Steel Easter egg in the pilot that David wanted that nobody has caught yet. Still waiting for someone to point it out. And then Drew responded back, besides being a massive Superman fan, knowing that Goyer helped make the show is what really hooked me. Krypton is stunning, top to bottom. This headline article just felt like a slap in the face to all Man of Steel fans and what Goyer did for that movie. And then Corey responded back, all love for Snyder here from people who actually work on Krypton. This is in my office. Happy you like the show. And he shows a keychain that's like the Kryptonian command key. Which I want. Yes. Yes. And then uh, Sean Sippos, who plays Adam strange on Krypton. This one was brought to my attention by uh, Michelle, who's another uh, at uh, Mimi C 1019, and she she shared this one with me. It says, I second that. We pay homage to all iterations of Superman. Myself, I'm a massive fan of Man of Steel, and I used parts of it in my prep work. It would be a shame to throw it away and allow Krypton to be usurped by a hired gun social media writer. We <laughs> on Krypton are Superman fans, period. Boom! That was yes. like a serious drop Ugh. the mic. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, and there was another one where Cam Welsh, who is a uh, the showrunner, also made a point of saying, Man of Steel is in our DNA. I mean, David Goyer wrote Man of Steel and co-created our show. It would be ridiculous. I mean, basically, this blog writer wrote this article. It also included some inflammatory comments by Margot Kidder, who apparently took shots at Amy Adams's uh, portrayal of Lois Lane. And then basically, the show just went on lockdown and, like, started, you know, defending Man of Steel and basically turning on this blog writer. And it was amazing. And then um, the, the, the Krypton Twitter account got in touch with Drew. And I uh, DM Drew before the show started. And apparently they sent him a complimentary copy of Action Comics 1000 just as a thank you for him expressing uh, love and interest in the show Krypton. Oh, so, awesome. so what I would say is please do not judge Krypton by the actions of one uh, possibly unemployed writer at this point. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, clearly, clearly just some, I wouldn't say rogue, but just somebody who definitely is not doing the network any favors. <laughs> you know, running that Twitter, Twitter account. Like, I, I knew about the, uh, I knew about the snap neck thing and I knew about um, uh, who would you like to see as the next Superman? You know, I knew about those two things. I'm like, what is going on here? And I actually saw Ryan Haas from over from Batman on Film had tweeted the same thing. He's like, what on earth is going on here? And uh, at that time, I had only known about the two things before uh, all this other stuff you just kind of walked us through. But I said, oh, it's just somebody who will soon be fired for generating bad network PR for no upside whatsoever. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. I was like, why would you even do that? Like, you know, you've got a David Goyer on the show. I'm like, it made no sense. So whoever was doing it, it has just no idea what they're doing. And I'm sure you probably won't see any more from that account. If you do, like, everyone just needs to unload because that's just ridiculous. Right. And and, do, and don't take it off on Krypton. Now, I've only seen the pilot. Not on Krypton. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen the pilot. Uh, Ray from Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast is loving it. Um, apparently, there's a lot of aspects that's like a Game of Thrones on Krypton kind of deal, which yeah. sounds like the kind of thing that would really intrigue me. But Which is what we were hoping for, too. Yeah. Exactly. So he's been texting me just saying, dude, you need to get caught up on this show. You need to get caught up on this show. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, when, when Ray says that to me, it's like, I, I, I need to jump to attention. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. But uh, yeah, so that was the all of this. But um, I will also say that I haven't read it yet, but I have picked up my copy of Action Comics 1000, along with the Mike Allred 60s variant and the Dan Jurgens 90s variant. And so the, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that, especially with the Brian Michael Bendis story that's in there. So happy birthday, big guy. Yeah, 80 years. 80 years. Years. Yep. Did you see the uh, the image? And I think it was like uh, it was Henry Cavill that sent it out. Like the uh, the the painting of like an old man Superman kind of thing. Yeah, like an eighty year old Superman. It was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I don't know if that was from something or like was that from some other like where did that come from? Oh, he mentioned it, and I you you asked me without prep it time to you know it's like I'm, a, I'm Batman. I need prep time. <laughs> Batman doesn't need prep time. Life doesn't give you prep time. <laughs> No, the life doesn't give you seatbelts. <laughs> I, I know that, but we're not talking about seatbelts, but whatever. Oh, if you're going to quote the movie, <laughs> quote it right. That's all I have to say. I was quoting the part of the movie and changing it to fit what we were talking about, but that's fine. You do what you do. I do what I do. <laughs> shaking my head. Shaking my head on the radio. Yeah. Man. All right. Well, that was cool. So, um, well, I think that's probably about it. Like, I was happy to see some, some like, you know, some new stuff. Some news? <laughs> some actual? Not just news, but like, it just, you know, just kind of showing that like they they got that thing churning like they're still cranking out ideas and looking for different avenues and like new things that haven't really been done like you know you know that's 
the way it's going to keep the genre alive is just to, to keep exploring all these just rich corners of the DC universe. Oh, wow. Well, awesome. Well, that's all for this week's podcast. And we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Episode 151, we're over the hump. It's just, you know, on to another 150-something. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let, let's keep this going. Let's do it. So... Please, guys, reach out to us. Contact us. We love hearing from you. You can reach the show at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter. You can reach me at ScottDC27 on Twitter. Yep. And then on Twitter, you can reach me uh, at Alan Fire. And, of course, you can always email us at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can also find us on Vero, Facebook. We have a website, SuicideSquadcast.com. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of places you can find us. And don't forget, Patreon.com slash Media. If you feel like we deserve it, you want to help support the network, we are fan supporting network you know you supporting us keeps us from possibly considering commercials oh my the end of the world as we know it but uh go up sign up there five dollars a month get you some extra content some new shows some early access you know great stuff over there so you know give us give it a listen i gotta tell you i've had a lot of fun producing some of that special content and like and of course uh we have an early access thing that we just did with uh superman doomsday um i've had a ton of a lot of fun doing this thing I i love the feedback we're getting from the listeners as well yeah and scott let's not forget i mean uh, some people might have been expecting us to talk about this tonight but um this has been kind of like a a, a patreon <laughs> trilogy which we, we recorded the first part what last november. november november yes this was about uh you know some of the strange going ons with uh alice and mac from smallville and it continued the saga continues the saga continued we just recorded something we dropped two weeks ago two three weeks ago two, three yeah. Weeks ago, yeah and uh and even at the time when we recorded we're like well, this is part two and what we expect to be a trilogy. Well, guess what? <laughs> it is here. Part three is here and we're going to record our reactions to it tonight. So uh, Patreon exclusive, <laughs> what we think about the Smallville saga. Or as we like to call it, the wall of weird sex. The wall of weird sex. Part three coming tonight. <laughs> God. All right. Well, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you guys, thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great week and uh, we'll see what happens this upcoming week. There's gotta be something else happening it's just like things are churning okay and keep reading dc yeah see you guys Hey, Scott, you know, we really don't do a whole lot with our at Suicide Squadcast Twitter handle as much as we, you know, probably should. So I was kind of thinking, hey, why don't we tweet something out like and see who, you know, who we should have, you know, cast as Wonder Woman? What, what do you think? I'll send out a little message about that. What do you think? Oh, well, Tim, I mean, why would you want to send out a tweet that would alienate 75 to 80 percent of our entire fan base, possibly causing us to lose listeners? I mean, what kind of an idiot move would that be? Uh, you kind of got a point. I mean, like what kind of network or Twitter account would ever do such a thing. Uh, hmm. Oh, that's right. Sci-fi network. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. This one's for you.
you want to just hit the Krypton story and then be done with the week? Um, let's see. Yeah, because I don't know what to say about the Highwaymen. <sighs> oh, we got to cover Krypton. I don't, that's what I just said. Oh, is that what you said? Sorry, man. I'm like almost asleep right now. That's what I just said. I said, do you want to cover Krypton and be done with the week? Okay, okay, man. Jeez. You Cut me some slack here. I'm tired. No, I know. I will never cut you slack.